one of the things I, I am trying to impress upon people is well, you are all on what I call a breakthrough curve, which is the sort of central motif of my work, this J-shaped curve. We're all on a breakthrough curve in every area of our life all the time. We just often don't realize it. I'm often st just stuck on the curve. We're like always at number three and just can't seem to get there because we don't know that there's a curve. We don't know that there's somewhere else to go. It just feels like the way it is. Um, so becoming aware that we're always on a curve in every area of our life, we're like, oh, I had a massive breakthrough in my career recently. While I embed that in, I'm now going to focus on my relationship because that's been a bit, you know, I can feel my girlfriend's a bit not into me or I'm not into <laughs> her. Or you're not going anywhere, you know, whatever. Um, and then as you become more and more practiced at this, you can take on like three, four, five things at the same time because your central resource is so connected that you can take on more. And that's So my work is, is, is interesting because it, it's unusual in this spiritual space because I'm very focused on social innovation, social change, social entrepreneurship. But I see the way to get there as being a spiritual journey, which pisses off a lot of people in the social space and pisses off a lot of people in the spiritual space because usually spiritual people are like, just about being yourself and connected and peaceful. Who cares about what's going on out there? And people in the social change space are like, who cares about your own inner journey? We've got to save the children in, in you know, in Uganda. And I'm like, guys, this is just one thing, you know. As you become more connected yourself and healing your own heart and become more of yourself, you can take on more of the problems of the world. But if you try to take on the problems of the world without that, you tend to either get stressed um, or you get angry and, and, and judge people for being the bad people. doesn't help. So that's, so my work is really explicitly about saying if you're on a spiritual journey, then you're also on a social justice journey. Um, and if you're on a social justice journey, then you're also on a spiritual journey about who you are. And, um, and the people who we know did that best, the ones we always use, um, are the Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and um, Nelson Mandela. They were all three social justice leaders who were also spiritual teachers. And yet we use these examples, but so little conversation happens about how to bring those two like, worlds together. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, I was going to say, one thing I found interesting is when it wasn't about uh, just, it, it almost felt like in the research, it was kind of, taking and integrating the best of all these things so i think there was like your physics there was genetics evolutionary theory heart-led leaders like you said nelson mandela gandhi um and then also the insights and the great wisdom texts your taoism sufism kabbalah zen buddhism and so you were kind of like taking all these things it wasn't like okay one's right one's wrong one's right one's wrong it's like no we're going to take some of that we're going to take some of that we're going to take that and just and you know there's no reason why they can't kind of complement each other and actually you're inspired by all these things which have happened in history in religion in spirituality which was i thought as um it was a really awesome like interesting way to look at it you know rather than hang to you know alienate some things because you've decided you've got to pick your favorites no you can you can be and you can you can be inspired by all of them absolutely i mean i look at it that's why you I mean, you asked me at the very beginning why did it take you 10 years to write this thing that's why because <laughs> i had all these jigsaw piece puzzles and they look like they're from different jigsaw puzzles I've got a, i've got a bit of the sufi puzzle and i've got a bit of the neuroscience puzzle and most people would go, well, just put it, make, you make your Sufi puzzle. Don't bother with everything else. Just focus on the Sufi puzzle. But I know my, my talent, my purpose, and my almost like, you know, the, the cross I have to bear is that I'm a, multi, a multitudinal thinker. I wanted to bring them all into one jigsaw puzzle. But, but I didn't want to force the pieces in. 
falsely. I wanted to actually find the fit. And that's why it took so long. I could have, I could have written a, a text on any one of these things in a year. And it would have been a good text, it would have been. But it just wouldn't have been maybe as fresh and unique as what I'm trying to do. And it took a long time. And the irony is, when it was published, um, Publishers Press, because it's a, um, a, a real, it's a map. Basically, it's a map. I created a map that I think is the map, but it may not be my map. Happy to acknowledge <laughs> that. Um, but it's just a map. It doesn't really tell you, you know, you can go and live anywhere on the map. But it's a map and publishers and the press are much more used to this is the one book about headaches or the one book about, you know, any one of these yeah. things. And that's how the world works, right? The media is always just about what's the one, give me the one thing. And it doesn't matter what industry or niche. It doesn't matter if you're talking about health. It doesn't matter if you're fitness. It's like how to get six pack in six weeks. This is the only right. guy. How to, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to write a book like that. And I spent so many times meeting publishers who wanted me to. And finally I wrote Switch On. And, and um, But now I get the joy of being able to write books. I, I mean, the great thing is I will never write a book like Switch On again. I know that. Um, because I've I've got my map, so I'm like, okay, now which bit of the map do I want to focus on? So, so I, I can, so I'm writing a book now, which is taking all the science from Switch On and some newer stuff that's just come out. And on the one page of the book, so it's a much shorter book. On the one page will be a description of the experiment um, and how it worked and what how what the cool insight is. And on the facing page will be a sort of spiritual teaching inspired or sort of fitting with that bit of science. Um, Great book, really short, simple. People can open up, read some interesting experiments, and it shows that science and spirituality are, you know, are totally uh, fit each other. Um, and so, and then I've got a book about the J curve, also writing, which is again quite focused on the J curve. Then I've got another book switched on, uh, switched on to love about conscious relationships, switched on your work about conscious business. So now I've made this sort of this big effort. I can now hopefully sort of spend many years exploring different bits of it without having to do the big crazy. I mean, I do, if I could tell you how many cop versions of, of, you know, the text there were like versions <laughs> 53.2.1, you know, it's like, man, I almost lost it in that process. I think my publisher did almost too. Cause I was like, no, I've had another thing I got to fit in. They're like, We've got to stop the text chain changing. I was like, but there's this experiment that just shows that this bit is so right. And uh, you've got to let it go eventually. One, one <laughs> a bit of a detail, but one thing which I, I, I can um, not discuss even like a little bit briefly was this idea. You mentioned it earlier in passing, um, this idea of collaboration. And it came up a few times. And um, we've, 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 this, we've kind of like talked about this briefly in a couple of previous um interviews um but i'd love to hear your thoughts about it because science has now proven that we're not selfish naturally right. we're born collaborative but we're trained right. to be comp we're trained to be competitive C can you elaborate on that idea um right yeah elaborate go <laughs> yeah um, this is my 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 conscious business consultancy is called we create right so it's, it's premised on the idea of collaboration. I run another business, a, a, a wisdom media company called Ripe and Ready, again, premised on collaboration. So these are things that are fundamentally important. It's a fundamentally important thing for the age. I don't think we can solve our social or, or, or industrial or financial problems without collaboration. So that's the sort of first thing. So yes, 
research shows that our system is as wired to be collaborative, empathic, compassionate, connected as it is selfish, um, looking looking out for um, our own thing, um, competitive or whatever, right? And but here's the rub: our system may have equal weight to each of those when we're kids, um, but as we grow up one thing it needs to always do is survive before it can thrive it wants to survive kind of makes sense right so before you can start thriving you've got to first make sure you're alive so our system starts to become weighted more towards the other um particularly fear fear-based stuff so if we are scared that um we didn't get the love we need right then um then our system will 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 be weighted towards the survival around uh protective protecting us from ever feeling we didn't get the love again which would probably look like selfish behavior, right? So um, collaboration, me, so people also talk about, I get briefed by companies so many times, we want to collaborate more, can you help us? And I'm like, yeah, but for me, collaboration is a profoundly spiritual journey or psycho-spiritual journey because you have to help people go from, by looking out for number one, which has always worked for me to protect me from the pain of loss and lack of love and connection. Uh, And you want me to suddenly become really open-hearted and, and risk my ideas, risk my status, risk my livelihood, risk all these things by collaborating, which can often fail. Collaborations often fail. Let's be totally honest, right? It's not, uh, you know, they're hard and challenging to get right. I have to feel really safe. I have to trust people. I have to feel trust myself. I have to feel like I can share without someone stealing my IP and, and then running, writing the book I wanted to write, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's a massive process for us. Because we're not, we're used to, to to protecting ourselves by being selfish. So selfishness isn't wrong. It's just a very natural way of protecting ourselves. If in the times when we were kids that we tried to share, we got bitten, right? Once bitten, twice shy, whatever the correct phrase is. So collaboration is definitely within us. But if you've been conditioned over ten thousand hours to go back to that meme to be selfish and, and look out for yourself and your own career and your own name and your own title and whatever then to suddenly be collaborative because that's what everyone's talking about is not going to suddenly happen, right? It's a process. And that's the process that a lot of people are engaged in. And even working with spiritual teachers, a lot of them are just not used to collaborating, right? It's it's a very, the media industry tends to promote individuals. My book, my course, my workshop, my everything, right? And to invite people into collaborating where they might lose some stuff, but they might gain something a lot bigger, but they can't see what that looks like. And it's kind of quite frankly, terrifying. It's a process. It's a real process. And you've got to hold space for that, for it to happen. Someone in, someone has to act as a leader and this expression, hold space, actually hold a space for quite a long time, patiently for collaboration to occur. Um, And it's, and through lots of mess ups and mistakes and, and, and difficult moments, you know, um, and allow people to share them and go, well, actually, when you said that, it, you know, we were, let's say you and I co- co-presented a workshop and then at one point you sort of go off a little bit and I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel good to me. I've got to, to share that with you and talk about it and we've got to make, feel peace around it and then learn from it. It's like a lot of time. Whereas he, he just to go, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to do it on my own next time. So the default just to do it yourself and protect yourself is so easy compared to the bigger win of collaboration, which you know could be massive, but quite frankly, it may never get there. Um, weights everyone back to this conditioned 
competitiveness and selfishness. It's changing. Um, Airbnb, all the collaborative stuff is changing it. People are becoming more and more aware of it, but it doesn't make it much easier. And I, and I operate with a lot of very conscious people in my friends, in my collaborations, and still collaboration is, is like the crazy, most challenging thing to do in the world. Is, is, it, is it definitely moving in the right direction? You're saying like the, we're the, the network oh, yeah. gauge, peer-to-peer, cooperation, Airbnb, all these kind of things. Like Totally. It's moving. It's slower than I'd like it to be. So I developed um, a peer-to-peer coaching toolkit eight years ago that provides coaching to people without a coach, peer-to-peer. It's a toolkit. It's actually just, I've just done a version to go with Switch On uh, called the DIY Coaching Kit. If anyone wants to buy it, it's on, on my website. So that eight years ago, I was taking that around companies and then I was taking it to charities saying, if we can do a version for kids and for prisoners and for whatever. And they were, but the default was, we need the coach. We need the guru. We need the expert. Um, can you come in? I'm like, I don't want to come in. You could, for what you pay me for a day, we could buy 500 toolkits and you could have, you could have a thousand people getting coaching. And they're like, uh, no, you know, so pit to pit is definitely changing things. People are getting much more used to sharing their home. Like we just had some Airbnb people staying who left yesterday, right? So I'm used to that. But even then it's like, oh God, I used my toilet. Oh, what's this? Oh, I just found a weird pair of pants in my, in my uh, bathroom, you know, <laughs> and it's like, wow, it's, you know, it's confronting this stuff. Um, this peer to peerness, this sharing economy. Um, but it's fun. Definitely moving in the right direction, but it is slow. Um, and I'm hoping to be part of the, the whole, the space holders for authentic co-creation of, of solutions. What does the phrase mean? Brains and organizations are conditioned to favor predictability over spontaneity. Is this, is this tied in with this collaboration? Totally. Is, that, is that something different? Totally. God, you're really picking my nuggets. I love it. Um, yeah, little sound bites. So the, if you imagine where, um, so we, we just talked about the fact that our brain will prefer to survive over thriving. Mm. And if it survived every time by not touching a hot iron, then it will prefer to definitely not touch a, a hot ionizing predictability versus this one reality where touching an iron is going to create the most amazing love of my life, right? So it will always err towards predictability. So to becoming creative, one has to be able to let go of predictability, let go, let go of what you think might be the safe option to, to risk an option that's new but might totally be awful but also amazing, right? So if you think of it, every time we change, we take a risk, right? Change means risk. Every time we create something, it's a risk. And yes, that new job with that startup, crazy creative, but it might be gone in nine months. Whereas staying with Procter & Gamble is safe, but it may not give you the, the, the fulfillment you want. So that's the personal level. But then imagine organizations. So they grew, organizations as we know them now sort of came about in the early 20s, 30s, professional management, which was invented. And management's job was to keep the workers making efficient widgets, you know, boom, 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 um, without risk. They were trying to de-risk human process and take out the creativity and the, and the chaos that we humans tend to err towards sometimes. And so management theory is really about how do you make enterprises, organizations efficient and productive, like machines, which is basically about making them predictable. And so when I get invited to an organization to help them innovate, and for me, that means social innovation, sustainable innovation, ethical innovation, you are fighting the very nature of organization, which is to create predictable processes and, and systems, which are really good for taking an idea and making them, scaling them, making them efficient, but terrible for having an idea in the first place, which is why you often see big companies like Kodak totally fall apart 
even though they have more money and MBAs and time and whatever than than um, Instagram or something, because they just couldn't they couldn't let go of their their existing business models enough the predictability to have the spontaneity. They couldn't risk what was possible. They could have created Instagram, nothing stopping them. Um, and now they're dead as a company, right? Which is, you know, it's a massive company. It just went down because it couldn't let go of that desire for predictability. Yeah. And now just a couple of speed round questions that we finish up all our interviews with. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? For me personally, that means, I guess, walking my talk, um, because I got all the chat. That's <laughs> about making sure I live it. But what I mean, what I really mean from that is authentically living an intuitive, purpose-driven life. So that means not doing all those habits and making sure that I'm always checking in in the moment, going, "Is this the right for me anymore, or do I need to change something and create a new a new path?" Um, because if you do that, then you know whatever, whether you get riches or not, doesn't matter. You're living on your edge, on your thrive edge. And what is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? Woo! I would say switch on right now, whatever it is, wherever you are. Um, I guess to boil that down, find something that's stressing you out, irritating you, frustrating you, pissing you off, whatever language you want to use, and use it as a project. Um, focus on it as a project to transform something within. Whatever it is, whether it's getting home and you're sweaty in the subway and you're irritated about that, get into it why does it irritate you what from your past makes you frustrated with people in this right next to you right whatever it is find something that's irritating frustrating uh, stuck or stressed and use it as a project to explore more about who you are and free yourself from something that's holding you back amazing and are there any books or resources which have changed or had a massive impact on your life yeah loads um but the one that i mean one of the so one of my i call these thrive hacks these things one of my thrive hacks is is about donate, d- devoting your actions to the universe. I do a talk. The minute I go, you know what? This is not about me and whether I look good. I'm devoting it to the world. And I got that from Gandhi's notes on the Indian spiritual classic, the Bhagavad Gita. It's on Amazon. Um, it's not an easy read, um, but he, I, I think within it, he basically says the reason he got to do what he did is because he never made it about him. He made it about giving love back to the universe through his, his social justice work. And that's radically transformed my life as a as a sort of um, spiritual activist. Incredible. And last but not least, how can people stay in touch? Where can we send them? Okay, so um, if you want, just to find out me, basic nickjankle.com um, and then sends you off into other places to, to discover more. If you want wisdom without the woo-woo, um, ripeandready.com is my big project. Um, that's ripe as in uh, ripe and ready avocados. And if, if you want, want social innovation, leadership stuff, we create worldwide.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Nick Seneca Jankel, Twitter, at Nick Jankel. That's probably enough. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll add them just every single one. We'll chuck them all below. <laughs> exactly. Snapchat. You know. Nick, this was so much fun. I really appreciate it. We'll definitely have to do yes, it again, but we'll, we'll make sure we're wearing the same top again. We'll go blue next time. Definitely. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, incredible. Me, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Send me a memo. I will do. As well. Right. Green hat. <laughs> blue jumper okay we'll have like a kangle flat cap maybe like a bow tie or something <laughs> exactly <laughs> thank you so much we'll talk soon yeah take care catch you later bye, bye.